welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. The Senate Judiciary Committee is refusing to delay a hearing next week as Christine Blasey Ford asked that the FBI investigate accusations of sexual assault against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Speaking at the White House earlier today, President Trump commented on the matter. We want to get it over with. At the same time, we want to give tremendous amounts of time. If she shows up, that would be wonderful. If she doesn't show up, that would be unfortunate. Joining me is Greg Storr, Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter. So, Greg, the story seems to change by the hour. What's the latest? It sure does. Well, as you heard, the president this morning uh, said he wants to hear from from uh, Professor Ford. Uh, he's also, again, saying he a, a short delay is, is okay with him, but he's reiterating his support for Brett Kavanaugh. In terms of uh, folks in the Senate, uh, Republicans are also saying we'd like to hear from her, um, and, and they have— and, uh, Chuck Grassley, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, is signaling he will move ahead one way or another uh, if she does not uh, agree to testify in this hearing that is scheduled for Monday or in, in, talk to the committee in some other fashion. Well, let's clear up the FBI part of this because I've heard conflicting reports. If the committee asks the FBI to investigate, will it investigate? As a general matter, the FBI is acting at the behest of the White House. That at least has traditionally been uh, how things have worked. If the White House asked the FBI to look into these allegations, it certainly would. I don't know that it's clear what would happen if it were just the Senate committee that were asking uh, the FBI. Certainly they don't have the power to order the FBI to do something. Uh, that, That may be some uncharted waters. Republicans want to handle this in one hearing with just the two witnesses, not even with the third person who Ford claims was in the room that night. Explain how this differs from what happened at Anita Hill's testimony and how many people testified there. Well, in some ways, it's similar in the sense that that was a he said, she said situation with Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas. There were uh, other women women who we now understand had had levied uh, similar allegations about Clarence Thomas, uh, who might have been willing to testify. They didn't testify. Um, the Republicans seem as though they want to keep this very narrowly focused, not bring in a whole lot of uh, additional complications, but to have the same sort of thing where it's just the two people talking. Where do those two critical votes, Republican Senators Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, stand right now? Well, that's the $64 million question. They have not said how, how they will will vote. Uh, Senator Collins did uh, uh, clearly say she wanted to hear from uh, Professor Ford. Um, it's not clear what would happen if the Republicans moved ahead with a committee vote, not having heard from her because she hadn't agreed to, to publicly testify. Um, uh, you know, this is one of these things that we're going to have to watch them very closely. But for now, they haven't tipped their hands. Let's turn to another issue. President Trump has demanded the immediate declassification of sensitive materials about the Russia investigation. So here's another what's happening now question. 
Yeah, so um, uh, these are materials. This is is um, uh, perhaps an unprecedented move. move. These are materials that Republicans had been clamoring for for quite a long time. As a general matter, uh, the the president and the the executive branch doesn't reveal these sorts of materials while an investigation is going on. Um, uh, it, 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 we're going to be very interesting to see what, what ultimately happens here. Um, yet another issue. Trump has, as we have discussed many times, been very critical of Attorney General Jeff Sessions. And his latest is perhaps one of the most severe when he spoke to Hill T- TV yesterday. Tell us how he has sort of ratcheted up this his problems with <laughs> Sessions. Yeah, he, his words were... I don't have an attorney general. It's very sad. Uh, you, you know, they, they, um, he, he has, you know, frequently said that he is disappointed in the way that Jeff Sessions has, has handled this job. Um, you know, what is striking about the comments that he made was that, um, you know, the attorney general is not just somebody who works for the president. It is somebody who is the attorney general of the country. Um, <clears throat> you know, Jeff Sessions is, is by all appearances, you know, performing that job in the way he thinks is, is appropriate. It is not the way that Donald Trump thinks is, is appropriate. Um, but, but Trump uh, seems as though he wants somebody who will show um, more loyalty to him. And he was even critical of Jeff Sessions' moves in as far as immigration are concerned. And that is an area where it seems as if Sessions was in lockstep with what Trump wants. Yeah, one of the great ironies of of Trump's criticisms of Sessions is that putting aside the Russia investigation where Sessions has recused himself – Sessions has been one of the most active and some would say uh, successful of Trump's cabinet members in promoting policies. And certainly he has been uh, a a staunch advocate for uh, the president's uh, crackdown on illegal immigration. But uh, even there, the president is now saying that that Sessions is not doing enough. And, And what do you make of his critique now, two years later, of Sessions' hearings for confirmation as AG. Yeah, um, June, I'm going to duck that question because <laughs> I, I, I missed that part of the, the interview and I, I, I don't know exactly what he said. All right. Sorry about that. that. That's all right. Well, do we see Sessions pushing back in any way? He's done that before. He, he has done that before. Um, uh, you know, we may see it again. In a sense, you know, Sessions pushes back uh, every day he, he stays on the job. Uh, every day he stays on the job is a day that uh, uh, it makes it much more difficult for Trump to squash the, the Robert Mueller investigation. Um, it may be after the election. There, there have been uh, some signals from the president, including in an interview with Bloomberg, uh, that he might make a change after the election. But for now, uh, Sessions is still attorney general. He has recused from the, the, the Mueller investigation, and, and that, that one's going forward. And what is, has changed, though, is that it seems as if there are several senators on the Republican side who are willing to talk about and think about having Sessions step down. Yeah. Um, uh, Lindsey Graham is perhaps the, the most prominent name because he has been somebody who uh, has been both a supporter of Jeff Sessions and somebody uh, you know, willing to push back against the president. And, and Senator Graham has said that um, 
uh, recently that uh, the president is entitled to an attorney general he has confidence in, um, and it's clear he doesn't have confidence in Jeff Sessions right now. All right. Thanks so much, Greg. That's Greg Storr. He's Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter. That funding secured tweet by Chairman Elon Musk in August continues to haunt him and Tesla. The Justice Department has now opened a criminal investigation into Tesla. Joining me is Robert Hockett, a professor at Cornell Law School. Bob, the SEC was already investigating Musk. Explain how a Justice Department investigation is different. So it, it really, um, I, I guess there's sort of two things to say. I mean, the, the first is the sense in which it would be different is that if it were actually to pan out into something, there would be the prospect of criminal penalties, including even jail time, uh, that could be uh, uh, brought against Mr. Musk and perhaps others uh, as well. That being said, however, uh, I hasten to add the second thing, which is that this is sort of a routine matter, right? There haven't been subpoenas issued by the DOJ so far, as far as we know. Um, this is just kind of uh, kind of looking around, sifting through the through the data a bit, um, and it, it, it would have been actually quite surprising if the DOJ didn't do at least that, given the degree to which the SEC has moved forward. The investigation, as you say, is in its early stages, but where could it lead? Are there any restrictions on where prosecutors take this? Nothing. I mean, generally, uh, you know, in order to issue particular subpoenas, which would be sort of the next stage, you would have to sort of explain precisely what you're looking for and precisely why, right? It can't just be a kind of gratuitous across-the-board fishing expedition. That being said, it's not difficult at all to sort of articulate um, that which you're looking for, uh, or that which, you know, the, the sort of concern in relation to which you're seeking documents uh, fairly broadly. And there do seem to be a number of uh, what are arguably are problems that have uh, afflicted, you might say, Tesla of late over the last couple of months. Uh, and you could imagine at least the DOJ wanting to conduct an inquiry uh, in connection with each of those, or maybe a kind of a plenary inquiry that embraces all of those. Well, explain a little further what they'll be looking into, what areas. So, you know, there was this tweet, yeah. ill-advised, we mm-hmm. know what happened. Mm-hmm. What What's mm-hmm. the criminal aspect of that? Yeah, so uh, the criminal the, the criminal aspect is is exactly the same. It's the same aspect the SEC would be looking at. And it, it, it's just that um, it would just, uh, the, the question would really be, whether the offense was sort of serious enough as to warrant actual criminal penalties, including possible jail time. So remember, as we talked about this last time, that we, we found that the, the, the problem was, or at least the, the possibilities were, A, that there was a kind of a reckless uh, use of, of language on the part of Mr. Musk uh, that really wasn't designed to manipulate the market, but that really, you know, where he should have been more careful in light of the um, obviousness uh, of the fact that this would probably lead to some sort of market uh, changes in the price of the stock. But another possibility was that he, you know, it was intentional, right? He was sort of trying to sort of reduce the uh, the price of the stock uh, before, you know, tipping or after tipping off friends that he was going to do this, um, thereby, you know, enabling people to earn uh, money on trades they wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Uh, so far, you know, as far as we know, there's no allegation that anything like that has, has, has happened. But, but the SEC and the DOJ are both interested in whether um, something like that might have happened, basically what the motive of the tweet was, uh, because, you know, depending on the motive, uh, the sanctions could be more or less severe. And indeed, they could turn out to be none at all, right? It might be viewed as a sort of an innocent error uh, in the end, and we just don't, we have no way of knowing until things go kind of further. We've talked before about Musk's mm-hmm. frustrations with short mm-hmm. sellers. Does mm-hmm. that have anything to do with the criminal probe? 
It, it certainly could, right? I mean, because if, if this was designed, if, if the aim was to sort of get back at the short sellers um, by uh, trying to, um, in effect, influence uh, the behavior of the shares price uh, in the markets, by you know conveying information that he knew to be false or that he knew that he was uh, sort of exaggerating, that would be an offense in its own right, right? It wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be quite the same thing as insider trading, but it would be sort of on the same level, as it were. It would be the same kind of offense in the sense that he would be misusing uh, information with a view to manipulating uh, a share price. In this case, not necessarily to profit himself or his friends, but in order to harm, to shaft somebody like the short sellers. And that's not permissible either, because it's still been, it would still be manipulative behavior if that's, in fact, what he was doing. Bob, does his recent conduct play any part in this, uh, you know, this, mm-hmm. this smoking marijuana on a podcast <laughs> show? And also the, you know, the two people in his organization who have left after a brief yeah. time, mm-hmm. I think I think this is very much front and center here. This is the real core story in my book. And remember, we talked about this a little bit before the last time we chatted about Mr. Musk. That I think you know he's a little he seems to be a little bit overextended. Uh, he wears multiple hats at Tesla itself, but then in addition, he wears multiple hats in so far as he is involved with lots of firms in addition uh, to Tesla. And he seems to have, in a way, bitten off more than he can chew. Right? He's sort of got too many irons in the fire, as they say, or too many pots boiling. He seems to be having a little bit of trouble keeping up with it all, seems to be chronically sleep-deprived and, and overstressed. That often leads to sort of uh, erratic or irrational behavior. And uh, there, you know, in a sense, right, uh, this is coming back to sort of bite him. I mean, many people seem to be leaving Tesla now to go back to the tech firms that they originally abandoned in order to go to Tesla uh, in the first place. There's this strange uh, lawsuit that's now, I shouldn't say strange, there's this libel suit, of course, that's just been filed against him for his strange behavior uh, referring to uh, a, 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 a British man uh, in connection with the Thai uh, flood last year as a pedophile with apparently no no ground. Um, so he's now brought, you know, potential liability against himself on that ground. Uh, there's, of course, the, the you know, the, the cannabis smoking on the, on the podcast. There's also, of course, rumors about similar behavior actually at Tesla itself, who knows the truth or otherwise of these rumors. But there's a general feeling then of kind of chaos, of things kind of spinning out of control. Uh, and it might, as we talked about last time, it might be a good idea, I think, even for Mr. Te- uh, Mr. Tesla, <laughs> Freudian slip, for Mr. Mr. Tesla. Musk, maybe to, to take a time out, you know, take a, a little time out, step back, maybe uh, trim back a little bit on what he does, uh, and maybe also divide the role of CEO and, uh, and chairman of the board at Tesla so that he's not having to do so many things at the same time. All right. Thanks so much, Bob. I'm sure we'll be talking about this again. That's Robert Hockett. He's a professor at Cornell Law School. And the SEC already was investigating whether Musk's vehicle production forecast misled investors before the SEC started scrutinizing whether he had secured funding for a Tesla buyout. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.